So I'm going to introduce uh, our guest speaker now, get things underway, and that is the wonderful Kirsten. Do you want to tell us all about yourself, Kirsten? Hi, everybody, and apologies for my late arrival. I'm not technically sound, um, and I was having a bit of a nightmare with the app, so apologies. <laughs> um, so I'm Kirsty Wells. Um, I'm a business development manager for a, um, a large organisation uh, of, of structural engineers, detailers, but also primarily um, uh, apprenticeship. We deliver apprenticeships for digital engineers. Um, I've got a real uh, passion personally around the neurodiversity side because I am actually neurodiverse. So I've actually got dyslexia, dyspraxia and a, an element of dyscalculia, I would say, um, so really excited to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I'm finding a lot more people and youngsters are actually coming in. And, and, you know, I think as somebody on the spectrum themselves, that we can actually focus a lot more on and we can recognise people that are struggling or also have some of those superpowers. So, yeah, really excited to see uh, to meet everybody and tell you a little bit more. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Kirsty. Do, do you want to tell us about um, your organisation, um, your research and, and what you've discovered uh, on your journey and why and why you're on this journey as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so we, um, a bit about sort of TGSG. So we've got um, a structural engineers in central London, about 24, 25 strong. We've got a detailing office based up um, in lovely Shropshire Hills, um, about 24 of us again. And um, the, the main organisation that um, I, I work for is a, a, a company called the Construction and Design Centre of Excellence. So it was actually built um, on the need for getting talent into our sector, which obviously we all know we need the skills. That's huge. Um, but we we actually set out, we started the, we were part of the first trailblazer for the digital engineering technician. So it's actually built from that. We've had about 350 apprentices through the through the system now. Um, it's amazing we get we do what we do because we can see the talent, but we've also started to see a lot more diverse talent. Um, I think at the engineering sector, and again, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think you know a lot of people see things differently. Um, and in terms of the uh, the industry itself, I don't think we're really set up and focused enough to actually look at that. And I know there's a lot of organisations that are bringing that to the forefront, but um, I think we need the role models, people that are actually living in living it every day to actually talk about their own experiences. But I think a lot of people that are neurodiverse are a little bit worried to do that. Um, I kind of like to do it, I think, because of my own experience personally. Um, I don't know, Michaela, do you want me to carry on and just tell you a little bit more about why I do that now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please do. Okay, brilliant. So, um, I hope you're sitting carefully, uh, comfortably, but I started about 17 years old. Um, I became a mum. I was still at school. Um, obviously, a little bit older now. She's now, I'm now a grandparent of two um, small children. Um, I've always been quite creative. Um, but as you can imagine, bringing up a small child on your own at 17 has had its own little challenges. Um, always been knew that I was sort of, say, a little bit different. I just was a little bit clumsy. Um, I've got a few scars on my face, actually, to where I actually fell off my bike quite dramatically a few years back. Um, but always knew I had a little bit of a big picture thinking, but also was quite um, sensitive. Um, something I was quite proud of a lot of people you know who come to me talk to me tell me about their stories tell me about and oh, you know I like people as you can probably tell I quite like talking um 
so I won't bore you too much with my background, but I'm 16, um, and my parents divorced, um, always wanted to be a graphic designer. Um, at that point, I was working three jobs. Um, also, always had an issue with my confidence and my self-esteem. Um, always quite a bubbly person, loved people, um, liked to go out dancing. I used to play ice hockey. Um, I used to do a lot of cycling. Um, but at that point, I was having a few challenges with my own mental health, um, but always quite a lot of determination around me. Um, about seven, six, seven years ago, life took a little bit of a plunge, um, having real difficulties with my work. Now, I um, worked for a very large corporate insurance company at that point. I've been in insurance for a number of years um, and my work was starting to severely struggle. Um, I was working with registration numbers and I started um, typing them in the wrong way around. And but the more and more I concentrated, the more and more I found these difficulties and I couldn't work it out. Uh, it got to a point where I was going into work in tears every single day. Um, and you can imagine walking into a huge corporate office, lots of people looking at you, kind of rolling their eyes at one point saying, God, is she crying again? Um, but, you know, it started to get really, really bad. Now, my organisation didn't know what to do with me. Um, I it came to a point where um, I was going to lose my job. Um, I was under special measures. Um, it actually came from the top down. I was literally a couple of weeks off to, after uh, uh, losing my, my job. And obviously, with a small child at home, um, bringing her up and trying to keep a house, it was, it, again, added more pressure. Um, I then decided that I need to do a bit of research because this isn't right. It's not something that, you know, I'm quite proud. I'm quite, I was always quite good at my job. Um, so I started looking at the internet. Um, I've never read a book um, I'm 42 years old and never read a book from front to back cover. Um, so you can imagine challenging, looking at the internet, trying to read articles was, was quite difficult. But things started to kind of highlight in my life and saying, you know, OK, all pointing to, you know, neurodiversity. So a lot of things around dys dyslexia and a few alarm bells started setting off. So I actually went to my, man my line manager at that time and I said, I got a feeling that I could be neurodiverse what that looks like I don't know and she looked at me completely blankly um, and said well I don't really think you are and I said well do you know that I'm not I said is there anything that we can do as an organization how can you support me and it actually took me to go and find somebody that could test me bring them in um, the company paid for it and they did eventually open their doors to it an hour and a half later, sat in a, a room, um, the, the lady turned around to me and said, Kirsty, I have no idea how you got to this point in your life, not knowing you're not diverse, neurodiverse. You are severely neurodiverse. Um, anyway, try to cut a long story short, I decided that insurance and being suffering with <laughs> this calculator and numbers wasn't the right place for me to be. Um, so I took a year out decided it was time to time to look at what I was doing where my um, my creativity side was was and um, I looked on Facebook of all places and always knew I liked working with young people because of being a young mum and I wanted to make a bit of a difference and I didn't want people to go through what I've been through in the last two three years um, so I reached out and found a, a job on on Facebook um, and they wanted a business development manager. Now, looking at the advert for the job, it was 
we just want you to be conscientious. We want you to be bubbly. Um, and we can teach you everything else, basically. And I, I loved it. I was like, oh, God, I haven't got to re- raise expectations. Hopefully they'll buy into me. Anyway, went to the interview. A couple of hours later, I got a phone call. You haven't got the industry knowledge. Not a problem. We want to offer you the job. I've now been there four years. Um, I love it. I have a very supportive network and it's grown me in confidence. Now I can stand up in front of people at big events. I'm doing a talk at at Digital Construction Week next week, telling my story a little bit more detail. Um, But I also try to, I'm working with apprentices and young people. You try and bring that in that ethos and you don't want them to fail so um i've actually sort of built you know confidence for me has always been quite a challenge uh, years ago if you'd have met me five or six years ago i wouldn't be here today i'd be sat in a corner continuing you know and just uh, not saying a word and you know to me five or six years on uh, i've grown I've grown in myself, I've grown the people around me and the company I work for have been extremely supportive. Um, They gave me the ability to access to work. So I've now got on my computer, I've got text to speak, I've got Dragon software, it's changed my life. Um, I just want to be out there talking to people, talking to organisations now and going, you know what, if you don't know anything about it, just listen to some of your staff. Some of these little pinpointers can help you. Um, And yeah, that's, that's where I am today. Yeah, thanks, Kirsty. Um, What a journey and, you know, well done for everything you've achieved to this point as well. Um, With with regards to this now, I know Danny is, um, Danny's quite passionate about this subject as well. So, Danny, what what are you saying, my friend? Hello, Danny, you're in. I am just talking to myself. Um, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, wonder... I, I forget that I need to press unmute. I start talking and then realise I'm I'm not a pro on stuff else. <laughs> I thought I'd talk too much, Danny, and you'd gone to sleep. That was what it was. Absolutely not, Kirsty. <laughs> Absolutely not. And do you know what? I think sometimes it is. It's just about, I think I said to you, Michaela, as well, didn't I? It's that sometimes people hearing somebody have a voice and saying the things that they resonate with, that, that they don't necessarily have the confidence or the ability to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um but the more we kind of talk about it and normalise these types of conversations, the more people become aware of these the, the, these conditions yeah. and actually the benefits that come with them as opposed to making them different from a negative perspective, I think the stronger the workforces will be. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot out there that, that we talk about from a neurodiverse perspective, not just dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, autism, etc. And the skills that the people bring, it impacts in so many parts of an employee's um, performance and conduct as well that, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way to supporting them better and not then necessarily from a, as I say, a negative side, but, but positively um, around sleep and fatigue and performance and detail and audit and things like that. And it's about highlighting these strengths as opposed to uh, the I, negative side, I guess. I couldn't agree more, Danny. I think, you know, I always refer to them as superpowers. And I genuinely believe that um, I may not be, you know, there's lots of people that are in, you know, uh, in my category, should I say, um, that I do struggle with numerical, um, you know, spelling, you know, sometimes communicative um, time management. I'm a nightmare sometimes. I really struggle some, uh, to actually manage my diary, manage my time. But I have actually now got some of the capabilities and some of the help around me that I can, you know, and if I I can call on, you know, my peers, you know, my friends, my partner and say, look, you know, I'm struggling today. Can you just help me sort of organise myself? But I think it's so important in an organisation or or whatever to actually be able to 
yeah, just those, you don't expect people to know everything about it, but to actually be able to kind of pick up on some of those little things and, and reach out to them because sometimes they struggle to reach out to you. Do, do you know Absolutely. what? Oh, sorry, Dennis. Sorry, Michaela. Sorry, sorry, Kirsty. I was just going to say, there's a couple of instances that I, I distinctly remember. One was an employee that was getting disciplined for being late all the time, and that was because they was up late because they couldn't sleep and they had rest. They was restless and actually adapting their working hours worked wonders. And the others, it was an employee that that couldn't sit still for a long period of time. So when their meetings lasted half a day, they become quite agitated. But actually, understanding that they they had ADHD and they they did need to keep moving around. They was able to then be part of the meeting, but then move around more often without being a disruption to the meeting because people were aware of it. And therefore, they was able to, again, add their value to, that, to those meetings, which I think was quite an important learning lesson yeah. for this organisation as well. Definitely. Do you know what I wonder, Kirsty? Are there any kind of key indicators that would help somebody to recognise this in themselves or in other people who you know, might be completely oblivious to it? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I say I'm not trained in this. It's only really that I, you know, some of the things that I pick up and some things that, you know, I struggle with. So I think um, sort of auditory and and visual, excuse me, I put my teeth back in um, and and sensory overload. Now, I struggle really bad with that. Um, I'm sitting here at the moment and I have everything on it on a dark background. Now, all of my screens are in a dark mode. Um, I find I can read things easier. So sometimes if you've got somebody that's sitting at a desk and maybe squinting, you know, they may have, you know, 2020 vision, but there may be actually something else that might be behind that. So, you know, it can slow up your working progress. Um, you know, I, I notice sometimes into memory, my memory is shocking. Um, and sometimes people think, oh, you know, you're just a bit dippy, you're a little bit silly. I'm all of those things occasionally, but, you know, I do struggle very much with my I think pinpointing that, you know, with your staff members, you know, are they struggling to, you know, are they not hitting meetings? You know, are they late to meetings? Are they not turning up? Like you said, you know, earlier, Danny, you know, are they late? You know, are they forgetting things? So there's little things that don't always necessarily mean that, you know, that they're not, you know, productive or they're time wasters or anything. A lot of the time there's something underlying. Um, and it also links in very well to the mental health side of things. We struggle a lot more with our mental health. Um, and again, you know, some people that are, are maybe suffering with their mental health, there may actually be a link to some kind of neurodiverse issue. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Kirsty, for sharing that with us. Oh, I was just going to pop to Elaine because she's actually... Um in the education sector and I just wonder you know why is this being missed at schools I don't know so my son's just started secondary school he's in year seven and he's just done his um it's like an exam or whatever a test to um test for dyslexia and dyspraxia and and he was fine but they did pick up some things with his memory uh, funnily enough so it, he's give, they're giving him exercises to start now at 12 years old that should then help him to develop his you know his brain so he, he's on par with everybody else mm -hmm. but my son does go to a private school and i know in mainstream schools they don't do this kind of thing and i just i wonder why and is that then more difficult to resolve if you're only noticing this in adulthood that that was more of a question cursor oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i thought he was directing it elsewhere apologies um it's a huge problem um i i think it's something we've 
and again, I'm only speaking from my own personal point of view, but it's something that I think we uh, we always do what we've always done. Um, and, you know, we're still, you think, you know, I know some of the books that I read at the age of 14 at school and we're still reading them now. Um, we, we aren't set up, you know, the people that are tutors and, you know, our skills advisors. And it's the same conversation we have around, you know, trying to you know, encourage talent into the you know, industry. You know, the, the skills advisors aren't necessarily set up um, to know what roles and responsibilities out there. And I think it's exactly the same with neurodiverse aspects. You know, if you've got one key person within a school or a college that's actually and has that empathy and that understanding you do find that that's actually brought to the forefront um i think it's something huge you know we're not going to change the world overnight but it's definitely a challenge and i think we need to get people that are understand this and and i think those want those people that actually live and breathe it are the best person people to do it yeah 100 percent. and i've just noticed that elaine's come back into the room elaine are you are you free are you available Elaine, it may be a signal because she keeps bobbing in and out. Yes. The other thing I'd say on that, again, I think going back to the educational side, even where people are identified at school with with one of these conditions, um, giving them the the confidence to then discuss that and get that support in the workplace is vastly different. They they do normally fall off the edge of a cliff um, in terms of support. So like, for example, people could be given, for exams, um, computers, more time and things like that. But then they enter the world of work and they don't necessarily have that same degree of support, which, again, does affect their their health and well-being as well as their performance as well. Yeah, and I think obviously these things then would become issues with employers. If you're paying somebody the same wage, but it's going to take them longer than somebody who didn't have dyslexia is the issue. So I think what we need to do is draw out the benefits of this though and what else to bring in. And is this typical admin role suited to you or are you better suited to X, Y and Z? And I know I was speaking to Danny earlier on regarding some research papers that were showing... um, don't quote me on this, but it's out there and I'm happy to, to send it over to anybody who wants it as well. It's um, if you have dyspraxia, then actually you're better when it comes to spatial awareness. So you'd be better suited to a job like joinery um, and X, Y and Z. And it points all of these out for you and there's tests now and research. And it seems a lot more money being spent on this. So instead of when you're at school, it being, oh, let's all be bankers and solicitors, them saying, well, actually, you've got all of these benefits because you're brain works slightly different so why don't we push you down this career path mm-hmm. have you seen any of that um that kind of research what i'm referring to because yeah i mean you know looking at, at something and it's something that i think you know we do we need to do in in terms of um organizations as well as schools it's like you know recognizing those you know you a lot you can normally see that somebody's creative so put them down, push them down the creative route. You know, some of the things that actually can make their hands, their, their brain work. I mean, you think 52% of children with dyslexia have features of dyspraxia. That's a huge, huge number. You know, and, and you know, one in 17 people are thought to be dyspraxic. So what does dyspraxia look like? Uh, you just said, you know, how does that work into an engineering background? How does it work into a construction background? And, um, and I think we... You know, if we knew more about that, if we knew about those superpowers that we all have, I think, and we directed them down the right routes, uh, God, you can imagine what we, we would do to the industry. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I find it really interesting as well. I'd love to learn more about that. Um, hence me doing the research and um, also you coming along to, to speak to us about it. Because I'm conscious I've been uh, hugging the mic somewhat. So I'm just going to go around the stage and see if anybody has any input or any questions for you, Kirsty. So I will start by coming to our wonderful sponsor today, who is Luke um, Big Dog. There is a link at the top of the page if you want to click through to see their products and services. They um, support us week on week. They're keen advocates for women in construction. So if you do need anything for your office, then click on the link. Uh, Luke, over to you, my friend. Hello, hello. That's so interesting, right? Because I'm obviously in a creative role. Um, and our head of design, Jane, um, she's not actually with me at the moment, but she's also in a creative role. Um, and she's dyslexic. Um, and she really, really like struggles to read and write. And, you know, she spends all her life doing graphic design, which is why I've kind of taken over the reins from her to, to, to do all the copy. So um, she doesn't do anything unless either I've written it or I've checked it first. Um, but from my perspective, I'm 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 crap with numbers. <laughs> Always have been. <laughs> I mean, I've, oh, that I'm, makes me feel better. I manage massive budgets, but if you told me to add numbers together on the fly, I'd literally sit there and look at you and go, "Let me get my calculator out." Like, I can I I get numbers and I spend my life doing numbers, but if you if you stood there and said, "Could you add X and Y and Z together?" I'd be like, you know, and I, I don't think I have that level of hidden disability. It's just not one of my strengths. But mm -hmm. somebody like Jane, um, she she knows she's dyslexic and she really struggles and she, you know, she just asks for help. And, you know, I think there are probably lots of people that struggle with this, but they either haven't been tested or they just don't want to admit it. They just feel like in a corporate environment or in a, in a work environment, they feel they can't. Um, which I guess is quite sad, really, and I think it's. But I think it comes back to the organisation. Big Dog is amazing. Like, if anybody in the organisation struggled with anything, I know for a fact that we would, you know, they every, they would do everything they could to make sure that they supported us. Um, but there are certain roles or certain jobs that don't, or even organisations that don't, or they don't see it as something that's right. Um, and it's really interesting to see that you've been through both sides of that journey, you know, and you had to fight for it. And on the other hand, you've had somebody who's embraced you with open arms. So, uh, hugely. And and I think that I, I think I always put it down to like you know having you know a sports team. Mm -hmm. What does a sports team look like? What does a football team look like? There are so many different. You know, you've got a striker, you've got a midfielder. They don't all do the same job, but you need all those elements to actually bring everything together. And you know, you put that into an office environment as well. You have to have your manager, but your manager's got to actually be on board with the sports team to actually recognise those abilities. And it's just the same in an office or a, you know a site environment. Um, and you know, having that support network, we're we're, we're a lot. We're, we're a sen I'm a sensitive soul, you know, and and I need that tap on the back. Okay, you know, quite a lot just to say, Kirsty, you doing all right? And I think some of that that goes back to you know years ago where you've you know you've been sort of told that you can't do this or you know you've been pushed down a certain route and you know I don't blame that enough but it's what you experience um for me I I just look at some of the you know we do a lot around the, the mental first aiders mental health first aiders which is phenomenal it's an amazing thing that everybody's doing around that but if we actually made those guys and girls a bit more neurodiversity spark what would that change would that be an ethos within organizations actually that we could actually do something with and pinpoint some of those you know things that they can actually recognize and then support those people that are actually scared to go i think i might be neurodiverse and 
I'm like, if that's the case, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> I've got a question then, Kirsty, for the room, mm-hmm. for you. If there's anyone listening, and obviously, you know, lots of people aren't on stage. Um, if somebody thinks that they're neurodiverse and they're worried or they're scared or they don't know how to approach it, what would you say is the first thing to do to either research or get tested? Like, if you think, right, okay, actually, I do think I've got a level of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm neurodiverse, so I've got dyslexia or dyspraxia, or I think I have, what would you say is the first step to kind of working out whether you are or you're not? Um, I think for me, find somebody that can support you in that journey. Um, the first person I reached out to was actually a colleague who I, I took as a friend and um, was, you know, obviously holding my hand through the, the difficult thing, do parts of it, because it's something that's quite a scary thing to do. Um, but also um, it answers a lot of questions. So just to kind of go back to, to what, what I experienced, the minute she turned around to me and she told me about this, I broke down in tears and it answered so many different questions. Um, I go out with my friends and, and I always, I remember the one thing that sticks in my head was that I went to a um, my friend's Hindu. We all had T-shirts on and um, we went to, went to Bristol, all had different T-shirts on. And my T-shirt said on the back, Dippy Dora. Now, although it was very, very funny and it was great and I was always a clumsy one, it also had a little bit of an undertone for me. And they wouldn't mean that and they'd be devastated if they knew that. But it had a little bit of an undertone. So having that support network and you know reaching out to somebody internally in your organisation, just saying, look, you know, I think that can you just help me look at that and point help me point you in the right direction if you haven't got those people above you as in your peers etc there are organizations now again i can share i've got a list as long as my arm um, of some of the organizations that are out there that can actually help support um in terms of all the different societies um from young age groups so there's a you know a couple of great um, um organizations that can help with children you know um there's a, also a a disability confident campaign which is a government website that's great to look at uh, the biggest thing that i found and it's really helped me is the access to work scheme now it really surprised me how many organizations and people do not know that that help and that financial help is out there um they do know that it's there for obviously physical disabilities but they don't know that they can reach out for that and, and again i can share that with you but i actually uh, a couple of months ago about three and a half thousand pounds worth of um, electrical equipment I've actually got on my desk now to help me and like you were saying about your colleague and you know that proofreading I've got equipment on my computer that will proofread what I do before I send it out and it has changed my whole working life <laughs> yeah amazing I just thought what's the what's this I just thought I'd ask what's the first starting point if anyone here is listening and thinking oh god do you know actually I think I really need I need to do something what's the first place to start so thank you for that I think that might help a few people in the room hopefully thank you fabulous thanks so thanks Kirsty I'm just going to work my way around the stage now Kirsty and let people um give themselves an intro and ask a question or give us their input on this topic as well um so Julie I know you did your in uh your intro earlier on but is there something that you want to add to this um yeah I actually wanted to to quickly chip in because uh one, one of my friends he's Oh, 
he probably was never diagnosed with the with the neurodiversity himself but his son is autistic uh he runs a company where they do you know all sorts of glass you know shower screens glass balustrades you know all sorts of stuff around that and it's quite sad to actually see when when people see his son brian and they look at him thinking he actually can't behave himself or you know they stigmatize him that you know he's just he's just not been taught how to behave you know on the side and this type of thing and i think you know spreading the word and actually making people aware that not everybody is the same and there's loads of issues that might be happening with people is very important because we we tend to you know judge the book by its cover fairly quickly and and it's not always the the right judgment so i just wanted to add that and it's a, it's a great room as always Oh yeah, thanks, Julia. Yeah, and and I think this is the thing as well. It's when it's going undiagnosed, so it's really trying to recognise these um these key points where you can and and just being educated enough yourself to start questioning that. And have I just got a terrible child, or actually is there something more? Is there something more going on? A terrible child. That's because I'm thinking of my own at the minute. He's in the living room, smashing it up. So <laughs> watching Mr Bean just throwing stuff everywhere because I'm on clubhouse. I can literally hear out all the crashing in the background um <laughs> so that'll be fun to go back to um yeah perfect thanks julia and uh are you uh, around and uh, i'm sure you have something to add to this as well hi michaela hi everyone um hi kirsty hi <clears throat> yeah my name's anna kaffer and um I don't, I don't really have much to add um i'm just gonna say in terms of um the industry i know there's a there's a great um gentleman called martin griffin who's a principal engineer for a company I can't remember who works for um, but he also also talks on this subject and uh, one thing that really stuck out with me is he talked about um, the brain in terms of you know motorways um, and you know how um, sometimes it's like taking the scenic route instead of taking the motorway and things like that it might take a little bit longer um, but it doesn't always mean it's a bad way to go you know it, it's just that it's a little bit longer a little bit more scenic um, maybe a little bit more work or you know finding aids to help you get there um, and that was really visual for me um, I, I learned things quite visually and I'm trying to learn more about um, different sorts of topics and neuro, neuro, neurodiversity being one of those um, so that I can help and understand um, my colleagues and people in the industry as well so thank you for your insights Kirsty and um, yeah it's great to be here and support you no problem thank you ever so much for your kind comments i think it is something that i think more and more of us are are, are seeing and experiencing and you know i, I don't I, I struggle sometimes, and this is again my own personal thing. It's like it is a disability. We, we are, are noticed of being disabled. I don't know whether I, I see it as a disability myself. Um, you know, there are certain things we struggle with, but I think people that are neurotypical struggle with things all the time. Um, so it's just recognizing, I think, some of those amazing talents that we've actually got, um, and and you know, utilizing them to the best best ability, really. Yeah, just um, something you said there just um, reminded me of something else that Martin had said as well, is that, you know, he said in his job and being an engineer, some of the number work, you know, some of the the looking at um, like some of the engineering schedules and things like that, he said, actually for him, that was really comforting. And it was, you know, a lot of people find it boring, but for him, it was a, it was a great thing to do. And it really 
you know, played to his talents. Um, uh, so although he's new rider worse, it's, it's a different talent rather than, um, you know, just saying disabled and putting people in boxes. You know, it's yeah. it's more about exploring the capabilities of people rather than talking about disabilities. Um, and I think that's really important. Exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, lovely. Thanks, Anne. And again, thanks for always supporting us. Um, you know, it's appreciated. Um, I, Elaine's just messaged me, actually. She's back and she's got signals. So, um, <laughs> Elaine, feel free to introduce yourself. And um, I'd love to hear from your perspective when it comes to an educational point of view, if, if there's anything that we can do to to notice this earlier and to support um, children as well when it comes to this. Hmm. Hi, um, yeah, I'm Elaine Cunningham-Walker and um, everybody knows my passion is education and I get parents all the time that say to me, oh, she's slightly dyslexic, so that school's not very, it's too academic for her. But I personally see them, and I think somebody said this before I lost signal, that anything that's dyslexic, ADHD, dyspraxia, they're all superpowers. You just process information in a different way. And I think that once we're able to normalise that in school and not label children, because that is half of the problem, that there's a label attached to them, that there's nothing wrong with what you've, what you've been diagnosed with. It's just you process things in a different way. And I think that language needs to come through in schools, especially at an early age. Because what happens is they're all trying for the 11 plus and then... They're saying that, you know, the, the narrative that's pushed out there is if you don't learn in this particular way, then you are not clever. And that is the problem that mm. I have, because I believe that every child carries genius. It's just exhibited in different ways, because if we were all supposed to come out the same way, we'd look really, really silly. Um, and, and there would be no variety and no diversity. Um, that's a whole nother conversation in this world. So I think that at school, it shouldn't be because what happens at school is when your child is seeing us operating slightly different from everybody else, we feel like we have to be on that treadmill that everybody else is on. Actually, you write the, the rules for your own child. And I think if a lot of parents understood that, then it wouldn't be such a big deal. And there are huge organisations out there who are profiteering off of and I don't want to call it disability, but off of these labels that have been put on these children, and it's really, really wrong, when actually they could be making transformational change. Um, I hope that adds to the conversation. I'll chip in as and when I can. Oh, Elaine, thank you. That was really insightful. And I agree, like you say, I, I, you know, that superpower, I kind of want to remove some of the labels that we, we utilise. And yes, we, you know, we're not in boxes. We're actually just got, um, you know, real key, you know, there's parts of us that are really good at stuff and, and parts that aren't and, and everybody's the same in that respect it's just actually utilizing especially with young people you know I look at my dad you know my dad's um, in fact retiring today bless him um, and you know he is a hundred percent dyslexic I will put money on it he's you know he's a CNC programmer done the same job for 20, 32 years um, but I look at his traits and that and I am very very much like my dad but on the other other way he's really really good in terms of numbers and, and very analytical whereas I'm completely the opposite so there's so many different 
you know, parts of this. And then I look at my daughter and, you know, she is, um, she's quite creative, um, but she skips from one thing to another. You know, she, she wants to do one thing one day and another the other. Um, and, you know, we've all got those traits. Natural they, entrepreneur. Natural. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that's it. And it's just harnessing that and, and kind of not putting those labels on it all the time. Can I just say something else, Michaela? Yeah, fire away, Alan. Yeah, I think the other thing is to give the power to parents to be able to realise that the best school is not necessarily the one at the bottom of the road, especially if your child is going to be the next Bill Gates, mm -hmm. right, or the next uh, Richard Branson, that you can explore different options for your child and make sure that that works. Because at the end of the day, if they get to... I was speaking to a mother today who was like, oh, actually, she's slightly dyslexic. Da, 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 da. She, she mentioned all of the words that the Ed Psych had said. And I said to her, but nobody really cares about all of that when she's making billions as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. Yeah, it just becomes a buzzword and a big deal right now. Why is big deal? And that's why I said, you know, we really have to work hard at normalising that. I've got two very different children. One who I did not understand for a very long time because we were all programmed, and I use that word, programmed to learn in a particular way. And he was just so different so different, so different, so different. But I've realised that this boy is a natural businessman, mm -hmm. natural businessman, natural orator. And I had to find a school that suited him, not the other way around. And so I think that a lot of parents need to realise that there are a lot more choices out there. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bang on, Elena. I still find it fascinating how we do exams and that whole educational system, because I'll be honest, there's never been a point in my life when a client has asked me for some figures and then said, but don't use your calculator. So why are we not just using calculators in maths exams? <laughs> There's just, yeah. there's just so much that, <laughs> that blows my mind. And my son's coming home. He's like, I'm not allowed to Google it. I'm like, stupid, because you would Google this. I can't give you the answer. And in reality, you would be using a search engine to find out the results to this. So, the, I mean, there must be some twisted logic behind it. But it just, um, yeah, seems bizarre to me because in the real world, none of this happens. Nobody ever tells me to do something in exactly one point three hours or else this, that, the other you know, I've, I've failed my GCSEs like what what is this um but on, on with the next thanks Elaine um Sonia I'll come to you are, are you around Sonia nope okay we'll, we'll jump over Danny because I know he's had a, a good chat earlier on and I want to get to everybody who's on stage um so Mark are you free is there something do you want to introduce yourself and add to this or ask her to your question yeah, I mean, first of all, Kirsty, I mean, well done. Amazing um, to have found your uh, superpower niche um, with your, your skills and mindset. Um, I, it's Thank interesting you. listening about education. My wife is a, is a, a secondary um, school teacher and um, she was a Senco for a while uh, and a very stressful job, you know, trying to um, help and identify children with different um, needs that sit outside what I would call the mainstream um, but the terminology is, is I agree, um, it's almost positive, but just divisive at the same time, sometimes the labeling. Um, and, you know, I hear my wife use you know, the expression, ah, yeah, but they're on the spectrum. Uh, and, and I think, well, 
actually we're all on a spectrum. That's the whole point of a spectrum. Um, but for some of us, and I include myself in this, in, in the corporate world, I didn't fit very well. I was, always felt something wasn't quite right. Um, and it's because I'm basically a fidget. I've probably got some sort of attention deficit disorder, I should think. Um, I'm an absolute fidget. Um, I would do blue sky thinking when it wasn't required um, and so on and so forth. Um, and then for me, my, my change then was when I got made redundant and started working for myself um, and actually found that actually this is where I fit in the world. And, you know, a bit of entrepreneurism. Um, self-starter and being able to get up and move around whenever I want to not be seen to be doing sat at desk um, actually is a fantastic place to get to so my career again by default actually um, I found my spot in the planet I feel um, so well done Kirsty on that um, I just wonder then now as I flip as to the point where I'm now an employer um, and I'm thinking about when I'm doing interviews and the like how in your view would I um, be able to kind of spot that talent uh, and those superpowers um, in a sort of a process way so that, you know, when I'm interviewing, how, how, do, I, how do I pick out those superpowers, would you think, Kirsty? I think probably you know, it, it starts from when you're advertising the vacancy. Mm -hmm. um it's it's very much um uh, something that you think if i if i went for a job tomorrow um and my md's on this call so don't worry i won't be going anywhere yet <laughs> um, um but um you know if i was to go to for, for a job tomorrow the application process can be really daunting um mm -hmm. i will look at an application and even simpler it's on a white background i, I really struggle with that i put a uh, normally put a print it off and i'll put a pink overlay on it and then i will read it and then i will get bored halfway through because i'm not digesting the information then i'll put it to one side and go do you know what i can't be bothered because i actually can't digest it and can't apply myself properly mm -hmm. so that is probably key so you know having a look at what your um your talent attraction right so maybe do a video share it on linkedin you know, things like that and looking at things differently in terms of some of those neurodiverse, you know, those diverse aspects of what's going to get somebody's attention. That for me is a mm -hmm. real starting point because those people that you want to attract into your business will let then actually go and apply themselves to that job. Um, whereas you probably, you know, if you're going through a, a white page document with hundreds and hundreds of text and whatever, you've probably knocked off half of your talent attraction just by doing that. That's that's really good advice. And I mean, certainly, you know, for some of the, the elements of our work it is very extremely detailed, extremely analytic. And there's a lot of uh, working through. And, you know, I've, I've got a friend who's, who's OCD and does similar role to me. And he loves that part of the job because that's exactly what he focuses on. And he's, he's so, so incredibly talented. So, yeah, thank you for that, Kirsty. It's really, really interesting. No problem. Great to talk yes. to you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, Tim, I'll I'll come straight over to you. Are you available? Yeah, hi there. Um, yeah, really, really good subject. This is something I've sort of been um, talking a little bit with my wife about our kids. Um, we've got very diff three very different children, and we were at parents' evening the other day, and and they sort of pulled me up and said, "Oh, um, you know, your eldest is, is struggling with their maths a bit," and um, I sort of put went bit back and said well I don't think she is and they said oh look at this she's got different things she's doing but I said well at home when she's with me 
and she because i'm a dairy farmer she feeds my calves every afternoon and i can specifically give her an amount of milk powder she has to mix and she adds it up mixes it up with the correct amount of liters does all that mass fine herself and that's above what you're so i find in with particularly with the education it's is that not all sort of kids uh stick to the to the same criteria and you have to find what motivates them uh, it was a big thing when i was in education there was a lot of people that just what we were doing was some of the ways that we we teach things now is so by the book and quite droll mm-hmm. that if you can find tap into something that actually they're into and motivates them it does really well and I've recently had a young lad come in helping here and um, I've, I've really struggled with him for a while to sort of get him motivated and it wasn't at all one his mum was picking up one day he's only 15 and and I said look I'm struggling to get much out of him and she, she said to me well he is He's dyspraxic and he's got a bit of Asperger's. I knew that he wasn't 100%, but I said, oh, you, I wish you told me. So I went back and did my research and realised certain things that, that motivate them. Um, and we've been getting on really well. I've, you know, mm-hmm. He prefers to work with me. He doesn't like being left on his own. And it's really helpful. But it's how do people, you know, if someone was applying for a job and they've got this, would you want them to put it on their CV and would it affect if you were going to employ them. But I would personally rather know up front and think, yes, I can, you know, I can handle it. I go, I know how I'm going to do my research and see, but I could see other people would be like, mm, not too sure about that. Oh, for me, Tim, I think it's, it's, it's both. And, and, and nice to meet you. And say, I assume, I hope that you're a dairy farmer. I could hear the cows in the background, but I wasn't in time. <laughs> that cow, it was cracking me up. Honestly, I was crying laughing. It just a big cow in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I think the fact that you've actually gone away and researched it and actually looked at it and, and, and sort of understood a little bit more about it and say why did it we're doing that a lot more then you can see the reaction that it's had with him and that personality and, and him actually feeling comfortable come and talk to you um, I think in terms of, of putting it on your your seat I think it's very much a personal thing um, I, me, myself, if I was going for a job tomorrow, and I think I did actually when I applied at CADCO, because I was very, I made a very conscious decision that you're accepting, this is me, that's something that's part of me, so I'm going to a job, then, you know, you take me as me, so I think, you know, I would encourage people to do that and um, whether they would do or not is again because it depends on the organization you're going for and how open-minded they are because the worst thing and it's a thought process that I would go through is oh my goodness am I not going to get this job because I'm dyslexic or I'm dyspraxic or you know and not be able to and it might not even get you past the first stage interview that's why it is so important you know if you look at uh, companies like HS2 doing blind interviews and things like that. All these different things come into play here. Um, so it's quite a difficult one. Um, I think it's just what you're comfortable to do, but what I would also be, and it's giving that confidence, and this is what I think people getting out and talking that have got the confidence to talk about it, that it's not something to be ashamed of. Like we said earlier, it's actually a real superpower. Everything here are, so actually be proud of it and what attributes you can bring to that organization. Yeah, I uh, just thought another quick thing is I, I worked a couple of years ago with a lad who was um, 
who was actually deaf and dumb. And he was the best stockman I've ever seen because he couldn't see. He had to do everything on site and his he could spot illnesses and problems days before I did because yeah. he didn't. He just and their senses are so much brighter. Um, it, we are. We've always, when I say I think I think people. Um, that yeah, it's people... really interesting anyway. All right. I'm going to get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Yeah, sorry, to, I think your signal dropped out a little bit, so there was there was a bit of a crossover there. But yeah, thanks. Um, interesting, great input, and always again appreciate the support we can we Tim. Thank you very much. Um, Shakel, I, I hope I've said that right. Are you are you still around? I know you've been waiting a while. Hey, how are you? Okay. Yeah, sweet mate. You all right? I'm fine, thank you very much. Um, so I've been tuning in and listening. Uh, Carol invited me to this room actually from yesterday um because this this in this, this room is around construction um but i'm a computer programmer and it actually took me quite a while to understand what i wanted when i when i grew up i'm 28 years old now i have uh, a daughter um she's three years old i have one on the way as well um so i i guess i can only talk from my experience you know, my father is an entrepreneur, so I was always bought around nice things like Ferraris and expensive watches and stuff like that. The problem was that I was never shown how to be a businessman. So my influence was negative. OK, so people around my neighborhood, you know, I got around the wrong crowd, but I don't regret anything because that's what turned me into an entrepreneur. School really didn't fit for me. It wasn't in mine uh i just didn't get along i used to bunk all the time i'll be honest with you like uh i wasn't really uh that sort of bright in school but i always knew there was something i could always do and um what was really interesting i think from an entrepreneur point of view is that you know you, you're told that it takes money to make money which is true right but what happens to the person who has no money how can they become an entrepreneur so for, for me, computer programming definitely gave me the opportunity because when I fail, I understand how to start again and I understand how to solve problems. And um, my, my current problem that I'm solving now is around the carbon neutral industry at the moment because there's a lot of uh, hurdles that are going to be in front of landlords um, to come. So um, th this is where my focus is. Um, currently at the moment so I, I can probably assume why Carol probably wanted me to socialize with you guys mm -hmm. um, based on what she heard but um, yeah I think I think really and truly uh, school for me wasn't wasn't my strong point but I, I guess what I would really like to do is I would like to encourage more people that failure is actually success in my opinion Okay. And, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I really want to stand on the hill and, and and preach that as much as possible because, you know, when I had to force myself into this industry, I really did have to. Like I was in um, a, a county in Basingstoke. And this is where my daughter's from. I originally grew up in London, Streatham, and you know, no one didn't know me. You know, business is all about trust, right? So people have to know who you are. And uh, so what I did is I built an AI that could generate me leads. So I started calling, cold calling people and converting them into into prospects. Right. So I eventually came across um, uh, a, a training center, which uh, well, 
it's an apprenticeship establishment. And, you know, this is really interesting because I saw, I came into the building. They were really interested. You know, like when I came in there, they wasn't interested in me because I, I, I looked like a mess, man. Seriously. Um, very shortly, I'll, I'll show you a picture um, of that because I was sleeping in my office these times. It was it was really difficult, man. And um, what was what was funny was uh, there was this one kid in there called Max. And I'm going to show you a picture of all of us standing together um, once we achieved uh, inventing an IT sales apprenticeship. And he got where he wanted to get to. Um, but he didn't believe in himself, right? You know, like he, he was on a... I don't know if you guys know the difference between a trainership and an apprenticeship. Like, so obviously people in a trainership, they just kind of try to understand what they want in life. Like they don't, they don't read, they're not being paid for anything. So he, he was doing something that he wasn't interested in, but he always wanted to do sales. Right. And he didn't believe in himself. Like he loved Wolf of Wall Street. He loved that sort of film and he really liked that. But I guess really what it was, was confidence. And I think that's the breaker in people, right? Because people, a lot of people, it's like they're introverts, right? They don't want to challenge and push themselves to do something that might feel uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I, I used to tell him, look, listen, cold call these people right now. Yeah, just literally, just just get on the phone and just 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 write a script and cold call them. Let's just see what we can do. Right, because you'll be surprised based on the conversations you Shaquille, I'm really sorry what you're saying is really amazing. But we've only literally got about three or four minutes to end the room. So I just want to bring us back onto topic. Um right. so that okay. people who are just coming in the room understand what's going on. Um Michaela, do you want to refresh the room and then just go to the Michael? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. So today we're actually talking about the benefits of different abilities. Uh, Kirsten was the guest speaker and it's about um, dyslexia, dyspraxia and the benefits of having these and changing the word and the language around that um, from it being a hindrance to actually being something positive. Um, so thanks, Shaquille. I think, you know, it sounded really great, but perhaps um, a, um, a different week, a different topic would be more fitting with that when it comes to, uh, you know, un entrepreneur chat. So I'll, I'll just scoot over to Michael because um, I know this is something he's super passionate about. So, yeah, feel free to intro yourself, Michael, and what's your opinion on this? Yeah, well, hi, everyone. I realise i only got a couple of minutes. Um, but, um, well, I work in construction. I, by trade, I'm a civil engineer. Um, but um, so I design, mostly I design airports um, for, for, for my day job. Um, but I'm also a host of a podcast, which is all about leadership in construction. And really, the leadership side of construction that we don't really talk about a lot is kind of where my uh, strengths lie, predominantly through um, having dyslexia. Um, and it's sort of those that I think, listening to all the sort of stories being said, I think obviously there's um, a lot of great, amazing things that are being said today. And um, yeah, my experience is very much the same. And um, I was diagnosed at six and so it was labelled with I wasn't going to achieve very much um, from, that, from that age onwards um, but you know it hasn't totally got in my way in my life my career and um, certainly I think it's played to a lot of benefits really uh, so I think if you find your strength in um, your powers your superpowers um, then you know it's kind of the limits really I think so I can sort of really add 
Yeah, that, that's wonderful. Thanks, Michael. And I'm sorry that we've, we've not had longer to delve into your story as well, because I know it's super interesting, um, but we, we are running a little bit over this week. But um, please do come back again. Um, every Friday we do this 12 until 1 disclaimer. Not next week, though, because both me and Taylor will be aware. Um, but normally every Friday, 12 until 1. Um, just a quick refresh before I come to Mary Chandra and Dr. Obi. Um, this week's sponsor is Big Dog. Luke is the representative and there is a link at the top. So if you need anything, office supplies, furniture, just anything for your business, click on that link and check them out um, because they're huge sponsors of Women in Construction. And we like to support people who support us. Um, Mary, welcome to the stage. Do you want to give us an intro? And if you have a question for Kirstie or anything to add on this? Oh, hi, everyone. Actually, it's been a really interesting listen because I think I'm older than all of you. So my kids are all grown now. But when I look back now, and I think probably Elaine will know more about the educational side of it. Um, when we were at school, you know, if you had any issues or anything that you were really lost in the system. And I think if I look back, I mean, I don't agree with the education system. I was absolutely useless at exams. I could work my butt off all year and go in and go brain dead in an exam. So that didn't really work well for me. Um, but in saying that, when I look back now on my stepson, who actually lived with us um, full time, when he was going to school, we there was an issue. Um, and but the school said, no, no. Uh, they said, no, there isn't. He hasn't got dyslexia. He hasn't got this. He hasn't got that. So anyway, he's 28 now and he's very successful in what he does and in his life and all the rest of it. Um, but it was only in the last few years that he did get tested and he is severely dyslexic. And I just wondered in today's society, and I'm sure everything's improved somewhat in the education system. You know, is it a responsibility that teachers can pick that up? I mean, we were sort of saying it, but they didn't acknowledge it. They didn't accept it. They just said he's lazy. He's not interested, etc. So just out of curiosity, I wanted to ask that. I don't know if Elaine can answer that for me. Elaine, are you around? I know a signal keeps jumping in the night, Mary. Oh, yeah. I'm here, I'm here. Do you know what? I always say to parents, it's not anybody's responsibility you have that child but it is the school's responsibility to make sure that your child gets the right education and that's that's where a lot of people just think they they take what the school says as gospel if you go to a doctor and they give you a diagnosis and you're not happy about it you can go to a second opinion a third opinion why can't you do the same thing for your child and so um, a lot of teachers also can't be bothered um, and so they will just shunt you from pillar to post until you leave that school. So you have to be your child's biggest advocate. But yeah, I am. I fight for students who aren't my children day in day out because I'm like, this child is amazing. Um, you're just not looking at it because you, they've got probably about thirty other children to deal with in their class, and so they'd rather just not deal with it. It's it's shocking, but it's the the sad truth. Yeah, no, I think I totally agree with you, Elaine. And I think times have changed, to be fair. I'm sure there's a lot more being done now. And I suppose you're going back quite a, a long way with my kids. Like I say, he's nearly 30. But, um, yeah, I would hope, I hope, I hope, you know, the system does pick up more. And there are a lot more choices for parents now, because I think even as parents, we were literally ignored and they weren't interested. But hopefully that's not the case anymore. 
Yes, thanks, Mary, and, and thanks, Gwendolyn. Um, Dr. Obey, over to you. Do you want to introduce yourself, and do you have something that you, you want to add to this or ask Kirsty a question? Dr. Obey, are you still there? He's been sat on yeah. stage for ages. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, everyone. Uh, I've just been listening, and uh, it's quite interesting. Um, you know, the, I kind of like this sort of conversation. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of um, wanted to... Because I mean, I've never been. I mean, okay. Let me just start with with, with my story. So, um, um, when I was younger, um, I was always, you know, very disruptive in class. Um, yeah, and you know, I never. I mean, some teachers would say he's he's he looks intelligent, but you know, he's always distracted and he's lazy. Blah blah blah. So I've always been that kind of kid when I you know growing up and even through my years. Um, and I've never, even when I did my GCSE, you know, I know saying this now and you look at, you know, you, you look at Dr. Obi, you'll be like, oh, wow. Um, so when I was, I filled my GCSE, I didn't pass a subject at all. <laughs> and um, and then, but, but things came to change when, you know, I was going through a lot. Um, and that was like in my, in my 20s, really. Um, I was going through a lot and um, I almost committed suicide. I was just a few seconds to committing suicide. Um, I, but then, you know, I, I, you know, something, you know, I just, something just, I felt like something spoke to me and, and, um, and I said, if I'm going to live my life, then I'll probably, you know, live my life. I'll, I'll want to dedicate my life to, you know, be the best in some, of something. And then that's how I switched and, you know, uh, you know, I performed well uni, um, even up to a point that when I finished my PhD, um, I won an award. Um, and so I'm from originally from Nigeria. And there, there was an article um, uh, that was written in Nigeria and, uh, you know, and, and I was featured in that. And they said, um, you know, a, a, you know, he he's a genius. But, but when I saw it, I, you know, I got confused. I said, <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, that translation, but I still think even till now when I work with people or when I'm in the meeting, um i kind of somehow daydream in a way uh because i'm always i'm you know i'm always i think there's always ideas popping in my head and i'm always like focusing on all this idea so i don't know if if that i've never been diagnosed of anything but um i i don't know where that would sit um really um i, I you know and i kind of i've always you know kind of ignored some of these things and run away with it um so i you know if if, the, if if there's anyone that got like an experience of what what that would look like and and if i'll unless i was diagnosed what would that be yeah Kirsty, i don't know are you equipped to answer this Kirsty, hello Sorry, more technical issues. Apologies, Michaela. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My fingers aren't working. Um, I, if I'm honest, probably not equipped in terms of understanding, but what I can do is um, just sort of, there's there are organisations out there, and it's whether you want to be. You know, I think that's the thing, ultimately. You know, what I'm probably taking from this, and I'm just kind of, say, globalising some of the conversations we've had. Um, uh, and if if there you are and there are elements of your personality or the or, or something it 
it's actually pinpointing down some of the struggles that we get. You look at entrepreneurship and everything that we've all done okay. We've all had struggles in our lives, but that resilience actually comes through. So it's not always about, I don't think, going, okay, well, do I need to, do I need to know? Do you need to know? I don't know. I think those are the questions that you're asked. You can go out, reach out to organizations to, you know, talk to, get get tested, you know, talk about it. Um, and I think that's something personally you probably need to think about. Um, but what I would say is, you know, your personal struggles, those things, those battles, you know, going and getting a PhD and, and doing all that, you know, and but openly talking about that now. And that probably feeds through what we're doing today. You know, if you put a lot of your younger people in, in a in a room and talked started to talk openly about these type of things, what would impact would that have on them? So starting a bit younger. So yeah, I think it's very much a personal decision for you, but you can do. And again, if you want to chat offline with about it and what I had to do and, and the conversations I had, more than welcome to do that. Oh, wonderful. Thanks, Kirsty. I hope that helped Dr. Robert. And um, yes, well, what a wonderful way to bring the room to an end. I just want to say a massive thank you to Kirsty for coming on, being the guest speaker. Um, to everybody who's been involved in the conversation, everyone on stage, Elaine, to our sponsors, Big Dog, again, link at the top of the room. Um, we are going to be having next week off, as I say, both me and Haley are actually on our holidays, so um, unavailable. But we'll be back the week after 12 until 1 o'clock and every week leading up to Christmas. So I hope to see some of you uh, there again.